Let's get ready to roll. Lead Like a Lady features amazing women at the top of their game who know what it's like to be the only woman in the room. They're here to share their stories, inspire greatness, and provide advice to all the women coming up behind them. Now, here's your host, Army veteran and retired FBI assistant special agent in charge, Gina L. Osborne. Welcome to Lead Like a Lady. I'm your host, Gina L. Osborne. Today, we are doing somewhat of a business 101. Originally, I thought this episode would be great for young women entering the workforce, but it quickly expanded to be much more than that. Today, my guest is Susan DeGrassi, Vice President at Antis Roofing and Waterproofing. We talk about everything from professionalism in the workplace and building your reputation to being seen and heard working remotely from home. Susan also shares her experiences as having been a working mom with four boys. As a highly accomplished businesswoman who is known for giving back to her community, Susan has some sage advice, and believe me, she knows what she's talking about. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you. Good to be here. Susan, you have an interesting background, and I would introduce you as a roofing maven, but you are so much more than that. How would you describe yourself? Well, I would say that I am a woman that has embraced all that life has to offer, career, family. I'm a wife. I'm a mother to four sons. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister to four brothers and one sister. And I was fortunate enough very early on, started working when I was 17. I worked for Disney at the time. And immediately there were mentors in my life, mostly women over the years, uh, that took an interest in me and guided me and gave me feedback and coaching and all those things. And so it's been a great ride. You've risen to high levels in different organizations over the span of your career. It surprises me, but I don't often hear that women who started so many years ago had female mentors. That's so interesting to only have male mentors. Going to work at 17, I had female mentors at Disney who at the time were the first or one of the first women to hold director VP level positions and above. And they guided me in a culture that was pretty conservative on behavior and, you know, directions not to pursue because it would limit my advancement to ultimately after six years advising me to move on and leave Disney in order to have the right type of development that I was craving and opportunity. So when I got out of college and was ready to look for work, I found myself with this small little company in Mission Viejo in a business I'd never heard of, property management in the homeowner association industry, which was really exploding at the time. This is uh, in the early 80s. And I worked for a woman who wasn't that much older than I was. She had started the company. It was all women at the time. And I would work for her for the next almost 30 years. So that particular relationship with that woman, Melinda Masson, was probably the most defining. She was brilliant. She invented something that really hadn't existed. 
she created a professional organization. And with that, I was, you know, I was there for the entire growth and development at that company. When she sold that business, there were 600 employees and it was a $55 million company. And I was a big part of all of that in creating it, executing on all those ideas, creating the strategy, hiring the people, developing the people. And that ended up being really what I did best was attract, hire, develop, grow people in a career field that they were almost all trying on for the first time. That sounds like a wonderful relationship. Looking back, what was the biggest takeaway that you had from that experience? We were very professional in an industry that at the time was maybe not quite so polished. What I learned from that is you only have one reputation. It's so easy to make, you know, to have an error that could tear that reputation down. And by creating these standards of not just excellent work, but highly professional behavior in a workplace environment every day, internally and externally. And uh, so you had to carry yourself with strength and dignity and grace and all those things that create a strong woman that can be respected in the workplace. Let's talk about reputation. These days, it seems that people have the courage of their conviction to say or to post anything they feel strongly about without thinking about any consequences. What would you say is the value of a person's reputation? Well, I'd, I'd like you to answer that question too, but I'll go first. One of the things I've learned is it's very easy to give away your power. And you might do that with more self-awareness in how you speak that's more easily corrected. For example, not being self-deprecating. You don't need to showcase everything you can't do. Focus on the things that you are good at when you're sharing your stories or trying to describe yourself. When people give away their power, they also do it in ways where they're compromising your reputation is one of those things. And can you correct it if you've, what, posted all those party photos of yourself on Facebook, behave badly in a company event? It can be corrected. Of course, nothing has to be a permanent stain. But I do believe you're making it harder for yourself to be seen as credible, to be seen as a person that can be trusted. And when organizations, if you really are looking for career advancement, leadership opportunities, employers are looking for people that they're going to have confidence in, not just the executives, but the people that your colleagues and your subordinates, people that are reporting to you, need to feel and see that too. You don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be mindful. And if you make a mistake, own it. Own it, be truthful, and move on. Back when I was an FBI executive, whenever I'd see the packages of new agents that were graduating from Quantico and coming to LA, before I'd choose who I wanted to be on my team, I would do a, a little open source check online. Now, this was after these folks had already gone through probably 18 months of processing to get into the FBI, plus another six months at the FBI Academy. But what I wanted to see for myself was what kind of online presence did they have? 
what type of personalities would I be working with if I chose them to be part of my team? Also, it gave me an idea how they were going to not only represent me and my program, but how they would represent the FBI brand as a whole. That is exactly right. Everything is discoverable. And really, at every job level, people are looking for that. I mean, serious employers, places that you want to be, that you desire to work in, they're looking. They're doing that deep dive because they're going to be careful about who they bring into the organization. As an organization, if you've spent a significant amount of time, energy, and money on building a culture, whatever that culture is, but you're trying to protect the integrity of your company, and in your case, you know, you're, it's a government agency that has all eyes on it, you have to choose wisely. I remember reading about 20 years ago, Cosmo, of all things, did this article about dress in the workplace. And one of their conclusions was that dressing provocatively gives away your power. So if you are trying to be taken seriously, their advice was, and and I say it's ironic because it's Cosmo, which is all about promoting your sensuality, I think. But their advice was, don't do that. Think about what you wear so that you'll be treated seriously. Because you're such a professional businesswoman. Let's talk about professionalism. What does that mean to you? The first thing I would say that as a human, before you can become professional, you need to have behaviors that you are other-centered. You treat people with respect and kindness you'd have the power to choose how you act toward others. That is the cornerstone of the beginning of how your adult behavior leads toward being perceived and seen as a real professional leader. The next set of behaviors are all just classic. Have enough respect for yourself that you show up every day, put the right attitude on as you walk through the door in your place of business. And today, if you're listening, you might be working remotely. You still need to show up on that camera or in front of your desk or work environment with that same kind of positive can-do attitude that you would bring if you were walking through the office doors. Once you're there, how you are making decisions, impacting other people, It's a combination of all these things. And and I'm not mentioning intentionally what you look like uh, or how you uh, appear, because I think over the years, you know, we got away from the pantyhose and the pumps, and now women can look like a variety of things in the workplace. It's so much more about your behavior and kind of the persona that you put on. Of course, your attire and physical being is important, too. But you can't have that only without having all these other character traits. Back in the old days, if women came off too strong, we would be perceived as being aggressive. So as women want to climb the ladder and be seen in the corporate world today, do you think they should be concerned about coming off too strong? I think you have to set aside these labels that are put on, and we're, we're talking about women, so I'm going to stick with women, gender. Just set it aside. If they say that you're aggressive, 
fine. That's their word to describe your behavior. The fact is, there are a lot of ways to lead, but if you're going to be leading out in front, be the person in charge and have the most impact, you're going to have to be assertive. You're going to have to be aggressive. You can do that with your own grace and kindness and personality, but what won't work is not speaking up. Right now, where so many people are working remotely, how do people get the attention of their bosses when they're working from home? Do you have any suggestions for that? I think it's all a matter of the individual and how they represent themselves to have the best advantage in being seen as the employee you want to have on your team and, in fact, the employee you want to advance. Make sure that you're staying in touch and communicating. Don't be out of sight, out of mind. That doesn't mean you have to call every day or chit-chat, but you can text. I personally, I have a number of employees right now, a couple of mothers, in fact, that are just going to have to work remotely for the entire time of this pandemic because of the schooling complication. I value when they just give reports. Here's what's going on today you know, a couple of times a week, two or three times, let me know they're on top of it. I also value as a boss when they put out new ideas, when they read something that might be uh, relevant to our organization, when they identify a problem and already come with a solution. Those are the behaviors and traits that let your employers know that your mind is on the company, the business, and that you're a contributor. And someday we'll be back together again. And when that happens, don't hesitate to reach out for coffee, lunch, breakfast. And you can do that remotely via Zoom now. Also, I would just be sensitive to the rhythms of what's going on with your colleagues and your superiors as you're kind of looking up and trying to identify, well, you know, how can I cultivate that relationship even though we can't be together? What do you say to the women who are feeling that they're not in control of their careers because they have to stay home with the kids and they have to work remotely, where maybe some of their other coworkers have gone back to work? I have been watching a number of news stories about women. And, and this morning, of course, on the news, they're launching a, a new bill. The Girls That Code have authored a bill or a proclamation to try to get government behind women that have had to make a lot of sacrifices during the pandemic, sacrifice their career. They're dealing with things that they didn't anticipate in their household and in their families. And what occurred to me Because as you know, I had four children. I still have four children, but they're adults now. Today, it's a moment in time in terms of your whole life, your whole career. So if you have to make a sacrifice today, it doesn't have to be this huge setback that defines you. If you're struggling with being seen or feeling like you're not going to have career advancement because you're not developing the relationships you would if you were physically sitting in a workplace environment. And there there probably is some truth to that. It is harder to do. It is just this window of time. So try to tell yourself that when change happens again, I'll be ready for it. And how am I going to get ready for it? 
I think that's great advice. And I think you are really comforting a lot of people right now by having this conversation because a lot of women are thinking about it right now. What other issues are you seeing in the workplace as a result of COVID? In the beginning, of course, it was all about safety and dealing with the illness and keeping employees safe. And now it's evolved to the mental health crisis with a stat that 78% of employees in the workplace report feeling anxious two or more times a week. If you are anxious or are worried, self-care is more important than ever. And so how do men and women do that? probably unique to the individual. Those that are successful at it, I've found, and myself included, you know, we do a lot of reading. We listen to people that inspire us and help us see ourselves in a positive light and what we can and can't do. We forgive ourselves. It is probably not a time to achieve perfection in anything, being a perfect wife, a perfect mother, a perfect employee. And I don't know that anybody expects that of us. That is mostly what we put on ourselves. So if there was a piece of advice, because we're going to be in the consequences of this pandemic for a long time. So look at it as a long-term play. Uh, See yourself almost as your own project. You know, what is it that you need to do for you to optimize your well-being? And, and it could be everything, whether it's, you know, health, sleep, time for yourself, exercise, but look at yourself as your own project and, and be kind to that person. It is so important to be kind to yourself. Sometimes I just sit here and I think if we could just give ourselves that grace to be who we are, even on our worst days, I think life would be that much easier. So let's move on to talk a little bit about how you handled being a working mom with the four boys that you mentioned. I'd love to hear about the men in your life. First, I have four brothers, younger brothers. So as I was having children, I was floored that they were all boys, but I knew what was coming. I had once said to a manager, I'm a better manager because I'm an effective mother, and I'm a better mother because I'm an effective manager. Some of these skills kind of go hand in hand. Raising a pack of young men is a lot of fun, a lot of energy, lots of broken things, lots of noise. What I think they gained ultimately out of it was a view on a woman in their life who was was nurturing, strong, firm, held things accountable, certainly made mistakes, and they're happy to tell you every one of them. Um, (laughs) But, you know, that's part of life, too, is that we're not perfect. Early on, they learned, especially since there were so many of them, and, you know, I had this big job. Fortunately, I didn't do a lot of traveling. I was able to be there when I needed to be there. And I worked for someone who offered that complete flexibility and understanding. But they did have to learn how to be more self-sufficient. You know, we had this rule when they went to middle school. If you forget anything now, it's forgotten. You had six years (laughs) to get ready for being responsible, packing your own lunch and backpack and project work. And uh, there were a lot of raging arguments about that. 
there's some controversy. There's a, a fair amount of mother bashing, like what does good mothering look like? And in my little suburb, showing up to everything was wonderful for parents that could attend every single game their child ever played. I didn't do that. We didn't do that. And I don't, I personally did not bother me. I don't think they need a cheerleader at everything. Of course, we were there for the important events and, and most of it, but you can only spread yourself so thin. And at some point, your children need to know that they're not going to have a fan club that follows them to college and beyond. And emerging into adulthood, what you're trying to do, hoping you're trying to do, is that they're going to be able to stand on their own two feet. I think we're there. We're in a new phase. Everybody's in their 20s. There's an eight-year span uh, between youngest and oldest. One's married and two have serious girlfriends. And to my great delight, they are choosing women all very different, but all strong, independent, have career futures in mind, definitely have a set of expectations on the male partner they want. I I feel like it's not that they're choosing, they're not choosing me, they're really choosing a partner. And I like what I see. And I like what I'm hearing in terms of how they're navigating this next phase of their life, which might be sharing it with someone else and all that entails. I finally am tiptoeing into the area where, well, maybe I did do a good job because <laughs> as mothers of young adults know, there is a long window where you're just not sure. So um, there's lots of way to parent. There's no one perfect way. You will do the best you can and it will be good enough. And I really believe that. And sure enough, it was good enough. I think that's great. Now you've moved on and you are in the roofing business. So what is that like? First of all, as you can imagine, lots of men in this business, wonderful men, hardworking men. It's been a great environment at Antis. However, I know that is not true for everyone across the country. I joined the board of directors for National Women in Roofing a couple of years ago. I think what I would say to women looking at career opportunities, don't forget about non-traditional work environments. Roofing and contracting is an example of that. And, you know, to my great surprise, the variety of jobs that are available to women was very broad in roofing. There are chemists that are working on material applications. There are engineers, architects, sales, marketing, HR, all kinds of roles. And these organizations need the skill sets that you often find women bringing to the organization, which are being organized, multitasking, you know, being able to grow and lead people and provide a balance. The best, we know the best organizations are those that have gender and racial diversity in them. They're just better in, in every possible way. Before we go, I would be remiss if I did not mention your boss, Charles Antis, and the amazing things that he has done for our community and making it such a better place. Perhaps you can shed some light on the spectacular things that he has done. 
Uh, yes, he has done something spectacular. He said a lot of spectacular things. Well, here's what I would say about Antis Roofing. But what he did, you know, it's a sole proprietorship. So this is Charles and his profits he uses to put back into the community. And what you're thinking of is he has donated every roof for every home built in Orange County for the last 11 years to Habitat for Humanity. It's over a million dollars of roofs. And he's really modeled for the business community how impactful um, one company can be and how much reach you can have in so many different niches. Our message is look within your organization of what your talents are and find a way that you can share those with just start with your local community. You know, it's the bite of the elephant. You can't take it all on, but you can do one or two things well. And then over the years, it will naturally expand upon itself. I love it. Thank you, Susan, for all the wonderful advice and guidance, as well as all your philanthropic work that you've done in our community for so many years. It was great to have you on the show. Thank you, Gina. I truly value you as a listener and would love to show my appreciation. Visit me at GinaLosborn.com and I will send you a free ebook called Five Strategies to Navigate a Male-Dominated Workplace. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and are feeling inspired, please subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite listening platform. Lead Like a Lady with Gina L. Osborne is produced and edited by Lisa Osborne. Theme music is Leading Lady by retired IRS criminal investigation attache Clarissa Balmaceda featuring Alex Castillo. Find us on social media through GinaLOsborne.com slash Lead Like a Lady. And don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Lead Like a Lady with Gina L. Osborne wherever you get your podcasts.